With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast with FCA+. This is your host, Noah Corston, and you are listening to season one of the podcast that we started with Watermark Wesleyan Church and is now with FCA. You will hear from myself and my old co-host Bjorn Webb in season one. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. When I had the medal placed around my neck, that was the first gold medal, Olympic gold medal I had ever seen was the one that was placed upon my neck. And hopping off the podium, I was like, man, like life has changed. Like as I know it, my life will never be the same again. Um, so unique, unique position, but I remember getting off of the podium, going through this whirlwind media tour, then hopping on a flight straight from London to LAX to be on the Jay Leno show. And now here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 35th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corson, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We are so pumped for today's episode with Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. Jordan is the best American freestyle wrestler, not just in the country, but around the world. He won Olympic gold in 2012 at London. He's a four-time world champion, six-time World Cup champion, and he's just a bad man. You do not want to mess with Jordan. He's the best wrestler in the world and probably one of the best to ever do it in American history. If you have not seen him wrestle, go do it. A few weeks ago, he wrestled Zahid Valencia, and it was a great match. He destroyed him. Don't be surprised when you see Jordan on the podium in 2021 with a gold medal around around his neck. He's an awesome guy. And his wife, Lauren, is from Buffalo, New York. If you're new to our podcast, we're a podcast and a church that is based out of Buffalo, New York. We're just a few miles away from the Bills. So go Bills. They're having a great season in the 2020 year. If you're listening, 2020 and beyond, I don't know what holds for the Bills, but they're doing great right now as we're shooting this podcast. But Lauren used to work for the Buffalo News. And Jordan and Lauren talk about about how they met, what's like to be a wrestler, a Christian, and you guys are absolutely going to love this conversation. The, the two of them are an amazing couple, and they have an amazing story as well. If you're new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. Bjorn and I are two young guys, and what better people to learn from than Jordan and Lauren? And we like to say at the sweat room as well, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. You as the listener, you have a story, you matter, you have a platform, you have a voice. And no matter where God has you right now, he's going to use it for your future. So before we dive in, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you really like it, share with a friend that helps us out. And if there's any way that we can serve you as the listener better, let us know. We'd love to do it. It's been incredible to be on the sweat room journey, serving you all, serving you as the listener. We have listeners in Australia now, Nebraska, Colorado, Indiana, California, all over the country and around the world. 
like I said earlier, we're out of Buffalo, New York, but this is going across the country and around the world. So thank you as a listener for tuning in to listen. listen. We couldn't do it without you. And make sure as well, if you haven't checked out our social media pages at Watermark Sports on Facebook and Instagram, and at Twitter, it's a little bit different. It's at Sweat Room Pod, and we have a blog as well, watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. And so without further ado, here's our conversation with Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. We want to welcome to the Sweat Room, Jordan and Lauren Burroughs. Jordan, Lauren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, yeah, we're happy to be here. That's so, like a sauna. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So Lauren and Jordan, you guys are in Nebraska now. And Lauren, you're originally from Buffalo. What is one thing that you miss most about Buffalo, New York? And you also did a little bit of work with the Buffalo News. So I, what was one of your favorite memories there as well? Um, I think what I miss most is the food. <laughs> Anything specifically? Cider mill. So many things. Oh, the cider mill. Cider mill donuts in the fall are the best. Um, Larkin Square food trucks trucks are cool. But those those didn't get established until I was gone. Pizza, obviously. I'm I'm a big fan of Nino's pizza. (laughs) It's funny, like when I went to every time we go, Lauren would take me to like the staples of all the places that she would go to. And I was a big like Buffalo wing guy. So like we've been to Gabriel's Gate and Duff's mm-hmm. and Barbell. Barbell. <clears throat> Jordan, which one's your favorite? I don't know. That's a, I, I feel like, like every time we go, like they change. Gabe's Gate. I like the consistency the best of Barbells. I just don't like their sweet sauce. Yeah. Mm. Um, Are you a sweet wing kind of guy? No. I'm a mild guy. Mild. Just need a field right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, just right in the middle. But there's there's so much good food in Buffalo. We we love yeah, it. We there's miss so it. much food. I think another thing, like people, I've always heard people say, like I miss I miss the people in Buffalo. But honestly, I, and I do miss the people in Buffalo and the relationships. But people in the Midwest are very similar. They're mm. like super oh. nice. I remember the first time I went to a dual meet here. I didn't even know anyone here yet. I only knew people through Jordan or they knew me through Jordan and they were like hugging me at like just the like people just come up and hug me. I was like, <laughs> I was very welcoming, but like in, even in Buffalo, it's still like very, it's a New York place. Totally. Yeah. People yeah. are very friendly, but they're not usually like that friendly, yeah, yeah, I get that. <laughs> but, but Midwesterners are a lot like people from Buffalo. <laughs> oh, cool. How long have you guys been in Nebraska then? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've been in Nebraska for, well, I've been here almost seven years. Yeah, this is your seventh year. This is my 15th year. It's a big year. Very cool. Cool. Oh, well, that's awesome. So, Lauren, as we know, you have three brothers who also wrestle or, or used to wrestle. Do you think that all three of your brothers could take down Jordan? At the same time? Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> Individually, no. <laughs> when they were like in eighth grade. It's funny because when Lauren and I first met, her brother was a senior at American, uh, Maddie, and so he was wrestling. We, we were. I came to visit you for Christmas. Um, and he was still wrestling. And he was still oh, wrestling. Yeah, so yeah, I remember, okay. he was getting ready for some sort of Christmas event. I'm not sure if it oh, was it a was scuffle mid- or the Midlands. It was Midlands. Um, wow. 
and then him and I drilled and I remember he had it like a good time and I was like yeah it was because we drilled <laughs> <laughs> break. Um, but yeah that's that's awesome so there's never been like have, no none of them have ever come up to you be like all right this is happening right now Jordan <laughs> yeah we've rolled around the yeah, living room like we we messed that's around awesome we mess like, around all the time yeah like it's just a natural wrestling group, <laughs> right you grab someone bear hug them roll around on the living room from mm-hmm. I wrestled everyone from you wrestled your uncle Therm to <laughs> <laughs> and and Lucas I don't think and for our Buffalo listeners they would know who Uncle Therm is right who's who's Uncle Therm. Thurman Thomas. Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty common name around here. Yeah, yeah, you, your listeners should know who that is. <laughs> yeah, we have very we have, we well we used to we have very very interesting Christmas parties for sure. Oh, very cool. So, Lauren, clearly Jordan won you over. So, how did the two of you meet? So. <laughs> We, oh, she's laughing already. Oh, Good story. Here we go. Story. It's, it's just everyone asks this, and it's a funny, it's it a funny story. Time. So, we, yeah. Jordan, you can give us the real story after. Like the big fish. I'll tell you story. guys a real story later. So we, um, so my youngest brother Maddie, who we were just talking about, was wrestling at the NCAA tournament in Philadelphia in 2011, mm-hmm. where Jordan was also wrestling, and it was one of the earlier rounds, and we were sitting in the stands, and I saw him down on the mat, and I thought he was very. Um, appealing to the eye <laughs> and uh, my dad pointed out my dad was like well he, you know you gotta watch this guy he's really good so I watched him and he like it was like one of his first matches so if you know wrestling like the earlier rounds the higher seeds get relatively easier matches so he like rolled them up very quickly I was like oh nice <laughs> so later that day or weekend or something I added him as a friend on Facebook wow I did it was pretty Facebook cool. official I didn't do that very often I didn't know everybody says that but I really didn't and then a few I don't know how much longer we deleted our Facebooks at some point or I or I don't know somehow we lost our message yeah. So we don't, we don't, this is how it gets tricky. This is how the story like veers off because no one has proof of what happened. But I, I did not send him a message that was, I had too much pride for that. And he sent me a message and we started talking and we were just friends for a while. And, and then he ended up doing a camp in Buffalo, like a year later, a year and a half later. Uh, like like six months. I got okay. invited to teach okay, her, uh, so, to do a wrestling clinic out in Warsaw. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I was like, man, I remember that girl Lauren lives here in Buffalo. I should reach out to her and send her a message. So I sent her a message on, on Twitter, Twitter, slid into her DMs and was like, oh, <laughs> I'm in town for a couple of days um, teaching at a wrestling clinic. We'd love to meet up with you. Maybe we could have some food and just hang out and chat for a while. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. I'll meet you. Um, it, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Were, as they say, <laughs> I was the rest trying, is history. I was trying to get my brothers to come with me, and they were like, "No, like, no, what? why? Why are you?" <laughs> they were very confused, and now yeah. they love him, so it's pretty. Funny. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome! That's a great story. Yeah, I love it. So, so Jordan, you can attest that that, that story is true from the beginning to end. Yeah, there's some finer details that I'll give you guys later. In the <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right. Was, uh, what yeah, did that you was, say the other pretty, day? That- pretty solid. Yeah, what, what, what did I leave out? That I was, oh, yeah, I did leave something out. I thought he was like six feet tall because when you're in the stands, you like look down. I was like, he's like really long. So I thought he was long tall. 
So when I met him in person, I was like, oh. You're <laughs> <laughs> like level. Like we're, we're, he's like half an inch taller than me, which I actually love now. But at the time, I was just like, wrestlers. Like I'm not sure. My brother, I just wasn't, I wasn't really prepared. She wasn't impressed. First night, she wasn't impressed. I was impressed with everything other than the height. But like, he can take uh, anybody that's in front of him, so you don't well, have to worry about we that. We are the same like height now, now so <laughs> it worked out. Sure. Yeah. I love it. So that's so cool. So the two of you, as we know, you're both, you're both Christians and believers. How did the two of you come to know Christ? And maybe, you know, maybe Jordan, if you want to start and then Lauren, if you want to share your story and. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? It was a really interesting story for me because I had kind of dabbled in faith for a long period of time when I was a young man trying to figure it out, establish an identity, who I was, what I believed in, where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. I think I really started to first think a little bit more about it when I was a senior in college. So between my national titles, I had a medical redshirt where I tore my LCL, PCL, was kind of spent a lot of time away from the team. Um, there was a guy here, a chaplain for our wrestling team, Rick Johnson. Him and I spent quite a bit of time together. But once I healed up, recovered, had success again, I was like, okay, I'm good. Thank you, God, for allowing me to get back to this prominent place. Now I'm going to take things from here. Um, so I would say my first time actually like really making an earnest pursuit of a relationship was probably after the Olympics in 2012. Um, and really because... Afterwards, I was like, man, this is supposed to be the best time ever. And I just felt like it was empty and it was not what I expected it to be. Mm. It's like this certain level of disappointment that I had with where my life was, although I had more than I ever desired even having it all came so quickly there was no perspective no appreciation and so i went to an fca wrestling camp uh maybe about two months after the olympic games and i just remember teaching some technique and then the leaders of the camp invited me to a worship service that they were going to have immediately after the wrestling event and so i went i stayed just watching the worship leader sing as he played guitar and all the high school kids in the room with their hands up in worship just kind of like struck me and it was a really profound event for me because i'm like man when i was 16 i was so impressionable and so nervous around my peers like i would have never sung loudly mm. in front of other 16 year olds yeah in front of my teammates, I would have never raised my arms in worship. I would have never gone out on the limb and potentially embarrassed myself. And so I was like, whatever they are feeling, I want that. Um, and so that was a really special moment for me. And it kind of combined with me now being the face of USA wrestling, me meeting Lauren, like all of these things, I, I wanted to really be the person that people like regarded highly. Like I'm like, who I am and what I represent is nowhere near where my heart is. Mm. I am not this person that people think I am. I'm not a hero. And so I really wanted to make a transformation in my life. And it was kind of all of these things coincided at the same time from a faith perspective, from meeting uh, an awesome woman to, you know, just feeling emptiness of after achieving my ultimate goal. It was, there were just so many things happening at the same point. It was just kind of like divine timing for me. And that's, that's not his story. Isn't unlike a lot of, 
Olympic gold medalists who like experience this high that only really lasts. Yeah, it's like the Olympic hangover they call it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because with the Olympics, you it's not like winning a Super Bowl where like you win a Super Bowl and then after the Super Bowl everybody wants sponsor deals because like really you're going for a Super Bowl the next year. But like with Olympians and Olympic gold medalists specifically, the Olympics are over and they don't really care about you. Like you win a gold medal and it really does more for you um in the next cycle if you continue on than it does right then and there Mm. Um, so that and and then that that leads to oftentimes like a lot of emotional it's just an emotional roller coaster you have to deal with that oh i'm sure yeah Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So what about you, Lauren? Could you tell us a little bit about your faith background and how you came to know Christ? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my story isn't quite as, I mean, it's exciting to me, but it's not as exciting to tell. Uh, I was working at Thurman Thomas sports, which was my uncle's two of my uncles got together with another guy, which you guys might know who Damaris Johnson is. Um, He's a, a leader in the community there. Um, and they started a training facility or like a performance athletic performance training facility in Salem sports park. And at the time I was in between college and grad school and I worked there in the summer and I worked alongside Damaris and he's just an awesome person. He's an awesome guy, but I spent the summer just, you know, every other day, just being around him and how he operates and what he was talking about and his faith relationship and his relationship with God. And, and just to be around someone like that, who was talking about things that like, to me, faith was just something you did on Sunday at church, at a Catholic church. Um, I had no relationship and in turn that affected my relationships with other people because I just wasn't holding myself to the standard that, you know, that God created me to be and that, that our savior intended for our life. So, excuse me. Um, so being around him and the way he talked and the way he spoke to people and you know, how much he was in the word and how it was reflected in his life was just huge for me and what I needed at that point. And I started, he was having Sunday service at his house in West Seneca. And I would just go there and people would be worshiping. I remember like I would pull up and the windows would be open and it'd just be like worship music overflowing into the street in his neighborhood. And it was, it was just so new and different to me. And I, I just knew like I wanted my life to be a reflection of that. Mm. I love that. I think it's such a great testimony that someone's life, you know, even if you're not specifically saying and preaching God's word, if you're showing God's love through your actions, that can be enough to, like you said, to spark that interest and to start asking questions of what's, what's different. And you can tell, like, you can just tell people have an aura about them that at least like the, the Christians that I've met that are that impact and kind of like suck in the people around them. They just have this persona and this, I don't know, aura is the way, which is funny. It's our daughter's name. Unshakable joy. Right. Right. They're just like very content with everything that's transpiring because, you know, a test and an obstacle is a moment in which they can grow. Mm. And then, 
you know, everything else is like, this is just awesome. This is cool. This is fun. This is great. Yeah. This is happening. And so I just feel like a certain level of just unquestionable joy. And it's, uh, it's cool to see. It's cool. Yeah. When you experience that from someone else, yeah, like, and you can tell, cool. right. And you can, you can just tell the way people are you know, like people, when people walk in a room, are you being, and this was one of the things Damaris used to say all the time, like, are you celebrated or are you just tolerated? And I feel like the people who were like game changers in my, in my faith walk, you know, up until now were people who walk in a room and they were like celebrated. Like people were so excited that they were there. Like, man, you're, I want to be around those people. They just have like this, you know, God, like, um, joy i guess wow that's so good that's 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 just a great question just to ask in general especially just between the two are you celebrated or tolerated that's that's a great question that i'll probably just continue to ask myself and as well as others so jordan um i want to ask just a few questions to you as well about even just your wrestling career uh you've been wrestling since you were a kid and so when was the moment that you knew that you're not just good but special and that you were capable of going to the olympics this topic yeah it, you know what it took me a long time to establish a strong identity in wrestling and be confident in my ability to compete at the highest level because i was never the best i would subscribe to the win magazine and usa wrestling magazine as a kid and i would always look at the names all around the country of guys that were repeatedly ASICs All-Americans and Tulsa National Champions and Tournament of Champions champ and all these nationally ranked events where I could never see myself as these guys. Right before Twitter and Flow Wrestling and YouTube, you subscribe to a magazine and you saw the list of the guys at your weight class and in your age group and you hope that you could be like them, but you knew that if you ran into them, they'd probably kick your butt. Uh, so it took me a long time. Uh, I never really dreamed of being an Olympian growing up. It was never my my goal or aspiration because there was no one in my area that had gone on to win Olympic gold medals. It was something that was relatively new to me. When I got to college and my head coach, Mark Manning, was pumping encouragement into me like, hey, these guys, champions of the past, Melvin Douglas, Kennedy Monday, Nate Carr, and all these African-American champions before you, they've laid the foundation and you have the same skill set, mindset, and you're cut from their same cloth. I think you can be a champion too. Uh, and I didn't believe him because I'm like, bro, I came from a freaking middle-class home and a very non-traditional household where my parents didn't even play organized sports, went to a, high, a public high school with no tradition, no lineage. Like, it's just, I don't think I can do this, but I'm willing to work and see if it can happen. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what I got. Let's see what I can do. Um, so I just really, honestly, for a long time, I didn't believe and my results probably reflected that. But when I started to just buy into what the leadership around me told me I was capable of, and I allowed myself to be coachable, um, and believe in their in their foundation and their plan that they laid out for me. That's when I really started to see success. Wow. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, and so, Lauren, kind of on the flip side, from your perspective, what, what's it like? You know, what was it like dating and now being married to someone that has had as much success as Jordan has? And what toll does that maybe take on you? And what has been some of the tough things that you've gone through with that? Or some of the good things is too. <laughs> I'm always really bad at pointing out 
the negative things about it because I just think like when people ask like is is marriage hard is parenting hard I'm like well yeah it's hard but it's beautiful and Jordan's always like you need to be honest with people like it is hard (laughs) I mean hard but manageable yeah like I, I just always try to keep perspective of like how what a beautiful thing it is being you know there's so much obligation but it like it's like, what, what else would I rather have? You know, it's, it's such a, it's such an amazing thing to wake up with someone every day who is like, so inspiring, who is so inspiring. I'm trying to get, (laughs) (laughs) but he is, he's, he's an incredibly hard worker an incredibly hard worker. And he's just like always looking for the best version of himself. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's very admirable admirable do you do you see that some of you know obviously jordan is a very dedicated very disciplined athlete and has been for many many years do you see some of that translate into his role as a father and as a husband oh, for sure for sure i'm trying to think of like i was glad that was the answer i was going to be afraid <laughs> if you were to say no <laughs> but no actually he's I was thinking ahead, like how many, you know, how I could give an example of it, but I think just taking out the trash last night. Yes. He like, I think just the things that we preach to our kids, having the both of us live them out daily is is the only way you can really get your kids to trust you and to to you know trust in the words that you say and the teachings that you give them is when you're doing them yourself he and we both try to teach the kids those things you know and because of our backgrounds like we're we both love sports we both grew up in households that were a borderline obsessive with athletics. So a lot of the sports that, or a lot of the lessons that our kids learn just because of who we are and our legacy as parents is taught to them through sports. Mm. I was thinking about this this morning because I was looking at my daughter's artwork on the table and I thought to myself, man, maybe I should like really encourage that in her and really like push her to improve you know, that aspect of her talents, like, you know, let's, let's work on improving this. And I, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, I'm doing that. We're doing that in athletics more so focused because that's what we know. You know, I can't really show her how to be a great artist because that's just not something that I'm great at Mm. But and always encourage her to do other things. But I think our legacy and our family's legacy has always been to teach through sports, to teach about life and about faith, even through athletics and sports. So that's, that's just naturally what we do. Yeah. That's so good. And I know you guys talked about this earlier of just post-life gold medal. Jordan, for you, you, you won gold in, in 2012 in, in Rio, correct? Or, no, that was London. Um, 
and you talked about why that was a little it was just not fulfilling for you i'd love to just for you to dive deeper into that as well as what is that post four years after winning a gold medal for you what was that like and then in 2016 you were the heavy favorite and you didn't win it and what was life after that like you were part of that process i'd love to hear a little of that between the two of you it's a complete different experience on both sides in 2012 you know you believe because there's a certain amount of like naivety to the way that you're living you're just oblivious to perspective and you're just like well shoot why can't i win i'm good i work hard i can do it uh and so when i won the first time i remember when I had the medal placed around my neck, that was the first gold medal, Olympic gold medal I had ever seen was the one that was placed upon my neck. Wow. And hopping off the podium, I was just like, man, like life has changed. Like as I know it, like, my life will never be the same again. Um, so unique, mm. unique position. But I remember getting off of the podium, going through this whirlwind media tour and hopping on a flight straight from London to LAX to be on the Jay Leno show to you know mm. tell the world about my gold medal and have this experience. When we landed in LAX, there were reporters and cameras and everyone surrounding us with welcome signs mm-hmm. and balloons. And it was a pretty special moment. I was throwing out first pitches at you know MLB games. I had a parade in my hometown where I was oh, man. you know the master ceremonies at numerous events and shaking hands and kissing babies. Kissing babies. <laughs> call you the Pope. I was at the end of the hour, seriously. And then fast forward four years later to Rio where I was no one wanted to see me. I wanted to see you. Besides my family. <laughs> People it wanted was, to see him, but there was no fanfare. There was people wanted to see me to offer condolences. Yeah. Like, because, you know, they just were expressing their regret for what I was feeling. And it's a sporting event. And I think about this all the time. Like the worst thing, the absolute worst thing that ever happened to me was losing in the Olympics. I got a pretty darn good life. Right. But don't and don't and I don't underplay. Yeah. The value of what it is that I was trying to accomplish because failure is failure. Mm-hmm. If you set out to do something, you don't do it. It's a, mm-hmm. considered a failure. Wow. The more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. Wow. And so the difficulty of that moment was because I had put so much into trying to be my best for that day. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it escaped me. And you only have one opportunity <clears throat> every four years. So, you know, this is, this mm-hmm. is it almost a nine-year process from the time I hopped off of the podium in 2012 to pursue an Olympic gold in 2016 to miss out on it. Now with the pandemic and quarantine and the Olympics being postponed a year, another five-year wait from that 2016 moment. This is ultimately like nine years I've been waiting to try to be an Olympic gold medalist again. Like it's a, it's, it's a lifetime of commitment to doing it's a third of my life. I'm 32 it's nine years I've been trying to do this again. Um, so, you know, it's it's not easy, uh, but it also is one of those things where, you know, the, the way I felt in 2012 was awesome, but there was also at afterwards where it's like, man, this doesn't complete me. This doesn't, you know, offer me a sustainable level of joy and excitement. So going into 2016, I think that I thought about it from a different perspective, but I also allowed all of the outside noise to start clouding my judgment and 
my ability to stay focused on what the task at hand was. I think that I'm really finally getting back to the point where I just like wrestling. Like, I like, I love to wrestle. It's just what I do. Like I'm a competitor. Um, and so outside of how people regard me, if I win, how much money I stand to win, uh, you know, what sponsorships I can have afterwards and what shows that I can go on to. I like to compete. When this guy puts his phone on the line, can I use my willpower, my skill level, my technical prowess, and my conditioning and grit to outsmart this guy and get my hair raised? Wow. That's, I mean, that's basically what it comes down to every single time I step on the mat. So getting to the, the essential element of what makes me a great wrestler is I wrestled for free for 20 years mm-hmm. you know, just after college that I ever started getting paid for it and you know getting back to why I love the sport and it's because I love the battle I love the competition and yeah, so the price tag. Yeah, 2012 awesome 2016 terrible 2021 is just an opportunity for me to just wrestle with freedom mm-hmm. and to just be excited about the moment and the opportunity, knowing that I've experienced both. I've won, I've lost, neither define me, neither can crush me. I've I've survived both and you know, I have an opportunity to possibly do it again. That's so good. I love that. Yeah, that, that's such a cool story. And I, I can't, I mean, I can't think of a better, you know, sort of testimony to show your kids as they grow up of, hey, look what your dad has done. Look what he's failed at. And look what he's done to come back from that. And what, what an example for them and for so many other kids. I mean, we you met one of our coworkers before we started this interview who looked up to you when he was in high school as a wrestler, him and his whole group. And, you know, I'm super thankful that you are you know who you are and as i talk to you you've got a good head on your shoulders and knowing that you put your you know your number one priority in your relation with christ is so encouraging to me to know that you know our youth and the other generations coming up like they have a role model that they can look to that isn't just in this for himself and you know there are athletes that are like that and that will always be the case in sports is you know and, and i think especially in wrestling that can be a very individualistic sport as some others are as well where it's it's all about me and what can i do but hearing you and hearing this is no it's not about winning it's not about yes that's the goal and yes i want to win i'm going to try my best to win but there's more to it than that and and i love that i think that's such a great posture and attitude to have and man that's something i wish i had learned a whole lot, lot longer ago when i was competing you, know, you go through the fire to learn it yeah, yeah. sure sure it's just you know what's funny is uh uncle Thurm, thurman thomas he texts me literally the next day after the olympics and he was like bro I lost four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> you think you're feeling pain right now? <laughs> that is so we can, we can relate. And that's, you know, that's been, uh, that was one of the, the positive sides of Rio. You know, there, in the, in the moment, it's hard to kind of identify, well, what's, what good is going to come from this? But Jordan wasn't very relatable. <laughs> you know, he won the only matches he had lost going into Rio were one you were hurt yeah another one was and the other one was a criteria loss that he didn't even know he was losing wow so to go into the olympics the the biggest stage in sports and for that to happen and for wrestling fans to see it and to realize like you know this can happen to anyone and 
I still would have rather won. I take my chances. Hey, I'm looking forward to it next year, Jordan. I win. Anyway, it brought him down to earth with the rest of us. And I, it, I think it made him much more approachable and much more relatable. And he's got a cooler story to tell people now. That's very cool. Sure, sure. So, uh, Jordan, um, as we were doing a little research, we know that, and we found that your Instagram name is All I See Is Gold. Could you tell us a little bit about what the acronym GOLD means to you and what that represents? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, basically, when I was creating my social media handles, I'm like, man, how can I make something that, like, is resounding, like, that people will... It's not just Jordan at Jordan Burroughs. Like, <laughs> what, what do I represent? What do I live by? What's my motto? What's my mindset, my lifestyle? And I'm like, man, why? I always want to win. I don't want to like, you know, I'm on top of the podium. Like, what, what's that look like? And so I finally settled on all I see is gold. And, you know, it's funny because at first I thought it was kind of cheesy. And I thought that people would be like, all I see is gold. Like, what does that even mean? Seems like and, Lauren may have thought it was cheesy at first, too. <laughs> for sure. I bet a lot of people did until I started to win consistently. Well, that's the crazy part, that he created this name. And you were you had won nationals once at that point? Yeah, I was only one time. He had won once. Still, and even in, in college, you don't get, it's not like gold medals. No, you just, so that's <laughs> the completely wild thing, was that he made this mantra and this name and then he started winning gold medals and you, you won so many that it was like, yeah, this is insane. It was like, <laughs> it was like prophetic. You know what? <laughs> you're, you're a prophet. I think, um, the mindset thing, I was just, uh, it really was bro. It really was. And it is like yeah. the people that are, that I admire most are the ones that can continue to go from, success to failure to success without losing their spirit for whatever it is that they're doing. Mm. Like those are the people that are admirable to me. Cause I'm like, man, this is really cool to see that this guy enjoys what he does. He loves it. It's not about the winning or the losing. It's just about playing the game. Mm. And that's been inspiring for me. So at that point in time, it was, it might have been a little brash, maybe a little bit arrogant, but I think that, it kind of elevated me to this place where I knew that in order to continue to see gold, I was going to have to be consistent. I was going to have to live and maintain a certain level of excellence in my training and my lifestyle, my eating habits, my nutrition, all of these things were going to be necessary for me to be at my best. And, um, you know, yeah. it started to catch on like socially, but, for me, it was kind of always the thought process is like when I go to every single tournament, whenever I compete and everything that I do, I want to be the absolute best. And the guy that's the best is usually the guy at the end of the day that's leaving with the gold medal. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it can, it started as a gold medal, but now it's kind of translated into to gold can just mean the best of whatever it is that you're pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just excellence. Gold just, is, is, yeah. is just a synonym for excellence for me. Just holding yourself to a certain standard, I think, to, to a gold standard, yeah. to always always requiring the most out of yourself. 
Yeah. yeah, I think that's so good, and I think I, I love that what you said there, Lauren, is you know the the most out of yourself, and I I think that's something that we teach our athletes here at the church as we work in sports ministry is you know we, we talk to them about competitive greatness, and it's not always about being better than the guy next to you. It's about being the best that you can be. Because if I'm the best that I can be, then everything else will play itself out. And I'm not trying to be better than Noah. I'm trying to be better than I can be myself. And if you can push yourself, then you will end up being better than a whole lot of people around you. But it's about and pushing yourself and having that mindset. You'll be happy. Like that's the, like the ultimate goal is that you'll be content knowing that you did your best. Like you maximize your potential. It's everyone can't win. Everyone can't win. That's just the, that's life. Everyone can't win. But what you can do is you can have fun. You can become a better athlete and you can exceed whatever expectations for yourself that you may have had. Like realistically maximize potential is all that we're capable of. So for maximize potential for me might be an Olympic gold medal, but for someone else, it might be just making it into the varsity lineup and having a 500 record. But it's, it's your perspective on what it is that you accomplish. If you're looking at me, it was like, well, man, JB won gold. I wish I could be the best in the world. But if you're content, like, man, I broke a lot of barriers. I overcame my fears. You know, I was the first person in my family to wrestle. You know, I went out there and beat a guy that I had beaten me five times and pinned me the last mm -hmm. time that we competed. You know, I lost 20 pounds and made a weight that I never thought I'd be able to make. I'm fit. I'm strong. I'm confident. You know, like there's just so many things that happen in the process of trying to be your best that winning is this the smallest of those things, right? They ref raises your hand, you walk off, you get a medal, they put it on your neck, the national anthem plays, and then you get off, and then the next weight class comes up. And, like, that's it. So there's so much of who you become in the process. It's so much more worthwhile of a pursuit than just the actual victory itself. I mean, victory makes you feel good, but the only difference between the person on top of the podium and the person that didn't medal is the way that people regard you when you leave the arena. That's it. That's it. And there's little victories. Like you're not just attempting to win gold medals. Like there's yeah. matches where he's just like, I, I'm going to give my best this match and I'm going to score as many takedowns as I can. And hopefully at the end of that match, I'm winning because of it. Yeah, but it's yeah. not like every goal, you don't get to this certain level where you're just like, like well, that's my victory. I need a gold medal yeah, to yeah. feel complete, to feel like I had success on this day. It's like, no, there's, there's baby victories on the way to that. Wow. Yeah, I, that man, that's, that's so good. That's such wise advice. And, and I'm sure, you know, for you, Jordan, that that's not something that you knew when you were, you know, 20 years old and in college and competing. Like that's something that for our listeners that, you know, it's, it's something that he has learned over time. And so that's what we hope is that our listeners, um, you know, if you're in a position where you're still, you know, competing or doing these things in whatever aspect of life that you can take, um, some of this wisdom and start to apply that and be the greatest version of yourself and compete against, you know, your standards each and every day. I think that's, yeah. that, that's so good. Um, so I, I have a question for you guys and 
I recently got engaged yeah, about a month ago. You are getting married. <laughs> getting married. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, is is there a piece of marriage advice that each of you would have for me? Something that maybe you wish somebody had told you or a piece of advice that you were given? <laughs> what should I know about marriage? <laughs> and I'm sure my fiance will listen to this, so you can give advice to her too. <laughs> I'm going to give some thoughtful one and you're going to say something funny. <laughs> Um, let's see. There's so much. Wow. I think just communication is just so important. And I don't even mean like just, oh, just when you're upset, make sure you tell me. I just mean just like talking. Like we talk all the time. I feel like we talk more than, I don't know, more than most people we know. (laughs) Uh, We just talk about everything. We bounce ideas off each other. We talk about business. We talk about kids parenting friendships um just life everything we talk constantly and i think because of that we know we're on the same page most of the time and when we're not it's usually like well you know a lack of communications but communication but we don't really we don't really have that too often because we're just constantly communicating we're really good friends we're best friends we um we just have fun with each other, even when we're on each other's nerves. And I think that's really important. We laugh a lot. Usually I laugh at him, but <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. And we've, we've been having a lot of fun since we met each other. So. Like taking the trash out when it's really cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool. He pretends he doesn't. <laughs> We've been at this at this house for six, almost seven years, and he pretends he does not know what day is the trash got. It never changes. <laughs> so we just, yeah, I would just say like, just be each other's best friend, be each other's biggest cheerleader, and you know, I obviously can literally be a cheerleader because I'm cheering for him when he's wrestling. But you, just, you get the pom poms too. Uh, no, my daughter's taking on that role. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she actually wants to be a cheerleader. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm like, I, I joke, we joke that I'm like the hype wife. I just, I'm like his, his hype person. I'm his hype. <laughs> yeah. That's my advice. Yeah. I would say, I'd say two things. One is don't waste time being mad at each other. Mm. I think that, that's one thing that I've really noticed is like, it's easy to like get cold to an individual for whatever the situation was. You didn't like the way someone addressed you or, you know, they didn't do something that you expected them to do, whatever the case may have been. But, you know, her and I, we, we love spending time with each other. We love the kind of the loving fostering environment that we built in our home. So when we're mad at each other, It's like the home's just not the same. It's like both people are like posturing. It's like, I'm not apologizing. I'm not apologizing. Well, I don't even know why you're mad. And so I think that within those situations, just like nipping in the bud, like, hey, can we talk? Like, let's chat. Let's correct it. Like, let's fix this thing now because I love you too much to waste time being upset with you. Mm. I just be back to be to loving you um and so i think that really just kind of stepping out of your comfort zone and having the uncomfortable conversations and saying i'm sorry um i was wrong i didn't mean to make you feel that way Mm. Um, i think that's necessary and then number two i'd say is to manage your expectations like no one can make you happy 
no, like no one can truly make you happy. Like motivation and, and love has to come from Christ and it has to come intrinsically. Within. Like, so I think that one of the things that I've noticed is that I've tried to manage my expectations knowing that I have to sometimes sell out for our relationship for the good of the relationship mm. is it's what God has called me to do. I chose to court Lauren. I chose to propose. I chose to marry her. And now this is a burden that sometimes I have to carry that I didn't expect it to be this difficult. Mm. I also know that if I'm willing to put the work in, like tough times don't last, right? This mm. is a season and it will get better if I continue to stay dedicated and committed and disciplined for the good of our marriage. And so there are certain days where, you know, I have expectations, whether it's to have a meal prepared or to, you know, go on to visit my parents for a holiday instead of hers or, you know, to have sex daily, you know, just yeah. like, even little things like that. But you're like, seriously, like as you get within it, you're like, well, man, like we've got a whole bunch of things going on and, you know, I wanted to go to practice, but now I got to take the kids to school. You know, I needed to go get a haircut, but instead I've got, you know, to make sure that I'm at the house because a washing machine is getting delivered. Just like little things like that, that may seem trivial now, but in, as you progress and you spend a lot of time with someone, those can be triggering moments mm-hmm. where like resentment is built. built. So I think that for me, it's mm-hmm. been catering my expectations, <clears throat> making sure that I'm like, listen, everything that I do, this is not for me. This is for my wife. This is for my family. This is for everyone who views our marriage mm. and going to be inspired by it. And so just trying to stay focused on those things, like not staying mad at each other and then always being willing to put the extra in, even if I feel like it's not being reciprocated at the moment. And I think there's one more really important one that I think, especially for young believers is to, or, you know, whether or not you're, you're married, but to have godly counsel to have friendships and community with people who are pouring into you and not sucking out of you or just giving you biblical advice like not just giving you advice that they know just like real legitimate because we both had people even like before we got married now people know better they know you don't mess with our house but we had people before we were married like or in our engagement period like are you, are you sure you're ready to be married? Are you sure? Like, I don't, I wouldn't get married if I were you. Like you're too young Wow. or, or, well, he did this to you. Well, don't talk to him for two weeks. Like stuff like that, that is not life, life giving and it's not fruitful. And it was always coming from people who did not either did not know the Lord were at a certain point in their walk where they shouldn't be giving other people advice. It, it doesn't matter, but to have a friendship circle and have a community and yeah. people around you who are just like, like I said earlier, who people, people who are celebrated for those reasons and people who can pour into you and give you just wise counsel. And if you want to be good at anything. You got to yes. surround yourself with people who are good at what you're trying to be good at. And so, people who want yeah. you and desire big things for you. Yeah. People who have your best in mind and people who know your potential and want you to get there. Wow. And I think that's yeah, for, that's for people in specifically, you know, romantic relationships and relationships before marriage and engagement periods. That's so 
crucial and it could, it could change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. That would be 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's, it's just a reminder like having the right people in your life. I think so many people are just so honest with the wrong people. And yeah. I, mean, I know I, I, all of us, all four of us can say, yeah, we've told the person the wrong thing before, you know, right. Can't trust them. So that's, that's some great advice. So as we're finishing up, Jordan, I, I'd love to know what are, what are, uh, what's your training regimen looking like leading up to Tokyo 2021 and what are maybe some misconceptions of being a wrestler as well? Mm. Training's going well. We are, you know, training's been disrupted quite a bit with COVID. Uh, it's, we're trying to find like this balance between, um, making sure that we have a limited amount of people in the room at a time to wearing yeah. masks while we're lifting to mm. giving, getting a COVID test anytime crazy. you go to like crazy. a public setting. Like, so we're like almost getting tested weekly and it's, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on, but I think the training's been good. Uh, I'm focused. I think honestly, this extra year helped me um, oddly enough because it gave me more time to, really be dialed in on what I needed and what I wanted going into this year. Last year was such a blur. It was coming so quickly. And, you know, I think that with the arrival of our little one who was born in January, we were in the thick of a lot of things, mm -hmm. like fulfilling sponsorship obligations and having a brand new baby, long going through recovery and me, you know, trying to make the Olympic team and that process. I think that we are a lot more structured in our schedule now. The kids are both in school. The baby's at home. She's almost a year. We've got really good grip on what we need from her. Lauren's healthy. Um, and it just gave me additional time to like get better as a wrestler, I think. So it's going to be a great year for me. And into Tokyo, we, we have our Olympic trials in April and they are in Pennsylvania. And so that's still the qualification process. We've got to make the team. So, um, I'd say a mis common misconception of wrestlers. Hmm. What would you say, love? Hey, what's a common misconception? That they're taller. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no. I should have known because the, the the ideas that are usually are pretty right on with being pretty short. Yeah. I think um, just that they're like these meatheads. Not meatheads, but just like rough and tough and just kind of like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirty, grungy, like not very stylish. You just get like this weird, I don't know. Wrestlers are kind of like the kids in school who don't talk to anyone else. They're or at least when I was, you know, before my brothers came around, I yeah. think it was a little bit different. But they were kind of just like did their own thing and you know, the football players got all the attention. The basketball players and the wrestlers were just kind of like misfits. Misfit. Misfits. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And I think most of the wrestlers we know, at least, you know, it's different because we're at the highest level now. And most of the wrestlers we're, we're friends with are very successful and very yeah, outspoken yeah. and they've got huge social media following. So they're out there. Um, but I, I think wrestlers are some of the most interesting people. They're like boxers. Like if you interview a boxer, they have incredible stories. I feel like wrestlers are they're They just got, they all, I mean, a lot of the ones that we know, they're just, they've just got really cool stories. They're inspiring people. They're hard workers. Yeah. Kind of like blue collar, tough. Tough. Tough for sure. 
but I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you you have to be in in the sport to be successful. You got to be tough. Like wrestling yeah. is a very middle class sport. Like if you look at a lot of the most successful wrestlers come from working class backgrounds. Most of them, know, I yeah. This is kind of common. But yeah, mm. I think one of the yeah, common misconceptions. Jordan, I have I have another question too. This is totally off script, and if you want me to edit it out, I can. But I remember seeing a video two years ago, and it was Khabib was calling you out. Yeah, yeah. What would this? This is a hypothetical. If he ever asked you to wrestle, would you wrestle him? And what was the, what was even that period of him calling you out? What was your thought process of that? Um. He's Russian, he's right? He's got so a lot of respect. He does. He does. He actually sent me a video. Um, he <laughs> donated. So Lauren and I have a foundation that we created called the All We See Is Gold Foundation. Mm-hmm. And he donated a pair of his autographed gloves. For uh, an auction. For an auction, for an online silent auction. And it was funny. He sent us a video. I'm, I'm friends with Daniel Cormier. So he sent us a video. And in the video, he's like, Jordan, you think I don't like you? <laughs> If I would like you, I would not have sent you these gloves. And so he, <laughs> That's cool. Gloves and like sends them over. And uh, you know, you know, Russia is my biggest competitor worldwide. Um, and so those are the guys that I typically have to beat to be an Olympic champion or world champion. Um, and so you know, I've always gone back and forth with those guys. So I have a kind of like a love hate relationship with Russia. Um, and he supports his guys uh, because naturally, yeah. that's where he's from. And yeah. so. You know, he's has pride in his country's wrestling. I have pride in our country's wrestling. Just a misunderstanding. I'm sure if him and I actually met, it would be a great conversation and we would have it because there's a, a mutual respect between the yeah. both of us. It's like great great fighters. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's, there's definitely respect there. But, yeah. you know, when it comes time to wrestle, like I want to beat Russia more than <laughs> <laughs> wrestlers talk a lot like they'll talk a big game but they're all you guys all love each other yeah, for the yeah, most yeah. part when yeah. it's not about when, competition when our competition when our careers are over we'll all yeah. laugh and, and throw uh, each other around and, and have, have a, a bunch of food together that's so cool so as we close up here where can people find you your websites and um, this foundation that you mentioned yeah for sure so i'm pretty easy to find i'm just uh, jordanbros.com is my website and then Instagram. and our foundation is linked on jordan's website yeah, website. Okay, cool. all we see is gold foundation and, um, yeah we we have a, an event every year which has been kind of tricky with covid because last year was canceled but um in in it's usually on the well it is it's the weekend of the ncaa tournament where we raise money for local usually a local youth club youth wrestling though um but yeah you can find that on jordan's website and his his social media media handles are all i see is gold and mine is lolo burrows so we're pretty easy to find no i changed i'm just lolo burrows yes (laughs) so yeah that's where we're at and beacon beacon (laughs) all three of our kids have don't follow them because they have more followers than me now. <laughs> yeah. right, you heard it here first. Lolo Burrows first. And then once you follow her, then you can follow the kids. Then it's Beacon Burrows, Aura Burrows, and Rise Burrows. And Rise Burrows. Yeah, they're very cool. I love it. That's awesome. Well, do you guys have any final remarks or words of encouragement for our listeners? 
No, we're just thankful for you guys doing this. I think um, just a place for athletes to share their faith, to grow in their faith via podcast is is just really important awesome well thank you it was a it was a real pleasure getting to talk with you guys today and i'll be sure to share some of your marriage advice with my fiance and we'll 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 talk about it Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jordan and Lauren, for joining us today. And today we have a special guest joining us today, our youth pastor from the church, Cable Carr. Cable, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the middle school pastor here at Watermark Wesleyan Church. I work on the same team as Bjorn and Noah. We all work kind of in our youth building together called The Hub. And my wife and I moved here in August, so we're pretty recent to the Buffalo area, but are loving the city and getting to know it. And I'm excited to do this podcast with you guys. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you here cable and why don't you just could you i know you have to tell everyone this when you meet them but (laughs) why is your name cable (laughs) yeah so my name is actually caleb but most everybody calls me cable now because my last name is Carr. actually in high school one of my teammates on my soccer team had dyslexia and he flipped the letters of my name Mm. from caleb to cable and then everybody thought it was funny it was kind of a joke (laughs) name and then i went to college and i was living on the same floor as two other calebs and one of those calebs became my roommate for the next two years wow. so it's just easier to be cable than it was to be caleb so that's a little bit of why i am who i am i love it that, that's hilarious i love that little story so cable we know that you were a wrestler in high school yep. and you love jordan burroughs oh yeah definitely so after listening to the interview we had with him and i know you got to say hi before we started Whew, dream come true <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your reflection points takeaways from the interview today I think one of the biggest things I noticed, um, and it came from both uh, Lauren and Jordan, was that they both had people speak into their life mm. from outside vantage points. I mean, even when they were giving you marriage advice, yeah. they were talking about having those voice. Who do you have talking into your life? It was having the right people, right? Yeah. And they, Jordan talked about how he didn't envision himself as that Olympic athlete until he got to got to Nebraska and his coach started saying, look what you could do. Mm. Look who you could be. And, and that hit me that coaches and mentors and those people who have voices in our life are so important, whether you're in ministry like myself or you're an athlete who's competing at the high school level. I mean, in November, you guys did the uh, high school series mm-hmm. and you had a bunch of coaches on there. And one of the things I remember listening to is that almost all the coaches said, I still talk to this athlete, this athlete. I still, I still talk to them and I was at their wedding and I, I know their kids. And you see these coaches have lifelong relationships with those that they've coached. And it goes far beyond the field. It goes far beyond the mat. It goes far beyond wherever your compete competitive space is. Coaches have that influence on our lives. I mean, think back, both of you were athletes. I know my coaches are such a big impact in my life. I'm not the man I would be today if it were not for Coach Clem and Coach Stamens, names that nobody else knows, but were men who impacted my life sure. so much. And Jordan and Lauren both talked about that, how they had outside voices. Well, there was Jordan coming off the mat and, and Lauren's uncle Thurm texting him and saying, <laughs> It's all right that you lost, man. Like, I lost four Super Bowls. I mean, no one wants to lose, but having those voices is so big. Yeah, it it really is, and I definitely resonate with that, and I'm just thinking now, like... You know, like I mentioned, you know, I'll be getting married in June and we're planning a wedding, inviting people. And some of those people that are on my invite list are all of my past coaches mm-hmm. from high school, from yeah. college, etc. Because I think back to, you know, who are the people that I'm closest with that had the biggest impact on me and they all make that list. 
Yeah. And, you know, that, that advice that Jordan and Lauren gave when we were asking for marriage advice was, was huge. They asked for, you know, they said, you need to have, like, godly counsel and people that can speak into your life and do that. And that was one of my takeaways was, mm-hmm. yeah, that's huge. Because for, you know, for myself and my fiancé moving forward is, you know, there's a whole lot we don't know. And we would love to have people around us that can share that with us. Mm-hmm. And then the other two things that I took away specifically from that sort of marriage advice piece is that's where my ears perked up. That's partly something on your mind. Something's on my mind. Um, but one was just communication. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen communication make or break relationships in my life not just, you know, dating relationships, but relationships in general, whether it's at times with people in my family or whether it's with coworkers or whether it's with people oh, yeah. in a group in school. Cable, he's calling us out right now. I know. We're his coworkers. <laughs> on the podcast. No, I'm Fell calling down. out Marshall. Not here Marshall's not here, but he's the worst. No, we love Marshall. Um, yeah, but that's just so key. And I, I, you know, I've had conversations with my fiance about that. I'm mm-hmm. just like, how can we make our communication better? And mm-hmm. not that it's bad, but yeah. it's, it's got to be better. And then the third thing that I took away, they mentioned, I think this is one of the first things they mentioned was not wasting time being mad at each other. Yeah. That's really good. I love that because there's so many times where I spend so much time being mad and I may not show it, but I know deep inside, like, oh, I'm holding that anger. And whether this is about, Mm -hmm. you know, my fiance or whether it's about somebody else, like, man, it's just not worth it. There's life's too short to hold grudges and be angry yeah, and, and absolutely. You know, we could get into talking about forgiveness and what that is but like you know that's that's a whole other topic of itself I mean, even think on on the sports field on, on when you're playing basketball or soccer mm-hmm. and your teammate screws up do you hold that grudge against them or do you pass them the ball because you need your teammate like sure. you see teams fall apart because there's frustration on how a teammate handles the situation mm-hmm. and then that builds into marriage communication absolutely. is that base level where yeah. why waste time being angry when we can repair the relationship and trust one another again. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved hearing both of that from each of you. I think number one is communication is so key, whatever we do. And Cable, even even what you do, your role here as a youth pastor, Mm -hmm. you and Marshall, you guys are investing into people that you're going to have relationships with down the road. Maybe it's not every single kid, but maybe it's those leaders. Yeah, I hope so. It's those kids that maybe there's a few of them down the road, (laughs) you know? I think those will be lasting forever. And I love that. That's uh, between coaching and being a youth pastor, you see that so much. And something I really loved between Jordan and Lauren, I think there was a few, a few things. Number one was there was early on in the podcast, Lauren talked about, are you celebrated or are you tolerated? Mm-hmm. And I think that is so key. I, I think where we work, we have a healthy environment where I think that's we're celebrated instead of, hey, we just tolerate you. I think we're an environment of we are celebrated. And I will like the, shout out to Watermark for that. I really do appreciate that. And just with yeah. our team, I think there's an acknowledgement there. And I, I think that's so key, especially in the sports and faith world. And I, another thing that Jordan said, uh, there's so many things that I took away. Um, and this is why I encourage our listeners, take some notes because both Jordan and Lauren said so much. Mm-hmm. But one that really stood out to me as well was the more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that could be a whole that could be a whole sermon for you in itself, Cable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say that one more time for us, Noah. The more you sacrifice, the harder it is to surrender. And I, to 
me, I, I, that, yeah. there doesn't need much more explanation than that. I think that there's so much that we sacrifice that we like yearn for, and it's just so hard to surrender. I mean, look at us. I, I don't know. It's just for me. Just that's just the pause or reflection for me. I don't even have like more words to say to mm-hmm. that other than just like wow, that's so <laughs> that, that hit me. So mm-hmm. I, that that was the biggest one that, that hit me the most. So is there anything else that stood out to you guys from today? For me, it was fun to talk to a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like so just at a base level. Like I'm not a wrestler, and if, if you guys knew what I looked like, you'd be like, "Yeah, you're definitely not a wrestler." Um, <laughs> soccer player. Yeah, I'm a soccer player. Built, <laughs> Built like a striker. Yeah, built, built for endurance, not anything else. Um, <laughs> yeah, just talking to a wrestler about like just mindset mm-hmm. on the mat and just this different sport, and I could resonate a little bit from the sport of tennis that I've played, and I played tennis in college. Just from that individual side, where yeah, it's it's you and only you. If you do well, you do well. If you suck, you suck. It's sort of like it's on your shoulders. So I resonate a little bit there. But just like, I don't know, the, the physical aspect of wrestling and cable, I'm sure you could you know, speak to this a little bit more. But it's just, it is at a base level of one person versus another person. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just like the core of sport. Of well, just like, sports, fight it out. Yeah, sports themselves are, in a way, ritualistic combat. Right? It's, it's how we simulate combat between cities and neighborhoods and communities and schools. Right? We are the, you know, think of different names. You know, we're the Raiders, or you know, we're the. Yeah, I know. I'm just thinking of different. <laughs> terrible example. Ter- Vikings. These names that <laughs> yeah. these names that represent that power, that anger, yeah. and you you're playing at combat by sending your teams and your heroes essentially to go fight another group to go compete against them and wrestling is one of the only sports that it's actually a fight like it's not just I mean football you could say that UFC some other stuff but wrestling is tennis yeah <laughs> I don't know and you have like that 25 feet between you guys but there's oh, safe. yeah there, there's nothing quite like um, walking out on the mat mm. and first of all you feel exposed you feel exposed wearing the singlet and knowing that there's all eyes on the gym on you, there's not other matches going on, especially when you get up into finals matches, which were super fun. Um, when you get up into those upper echelon matches, and you look across the mat at the person you're going to wrestle and realize that you're about to go to war against a stranger, and <laughs> man, I have some memories of injuries and other things that I, I hurt people and they hurt me, and my passport, I have a black eye in the picture still because I got it in high school, <laughs> and my eye was swollen shut the week before, and um, it was just colorful all around the eye still. And but you should have seen the other guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's actually a kid in our practice who headbutted me when he got mad oh, at me. Oh, so, um, but yeah, we had it's a different sport and hearing JB talk about it just the the endurance and I don't know if you heard um, but when he went to the Olympics and, and started in, in Rio and, and lost out it was crazy because he'd only lost two matches beforehand wild. and one of them was because he was injured like we're talking about the pinnacle of this sport yeah. and to be that good means that he has faced individual after individual and come out as triumphant over them right. and like you said yeah, he's the same invested. individuals multiple yes. times yeah He's faced some guys over and over and become and been victorious still, yeah. which is it's super hard to do. I mean, one of my greatest rivals in high school, he beat me earlier in the year and I beat him later in the year, and we just went back and forth because it was a we were similar in school. It's hard to stay on top of somebody when they learn your style and yeah. they learn your well, technique. We talked about the Philadelphia Union in the playoffs this 
this year. Oh gosh, like they're soccer. Into soccer. To our <laughs> oh, we jumped to soccer. Yeah. My oh. <laughs> oh man, that was rough. That was rough. Different, yeah, story. different yeah. story. Thanks for joining us today, Cable, and thank you, Jordan and Lauren, for joining us for an amazing podcast. It's one that we will never forget, and we hope that you, as the listener, really enjoyed today. And next week, everybody, we have Darren Gray. Darren works with All Pro Dad. He does a lot of things with the Super Bowl breakfast that goes on every year, and he's good friends with Tony Dungy. An incredible conversation, a leader. This is a podcast you do not want to miss. Here's an excerpt. You know what? It's leading. Right is beyond right. It's, if it's beneath you, if you're not willing to to lean down and and lean into someone, then really, should you be a leader at all? Mm-hmm. And so, I just find ways to uh, think about the phrase "serving leader." Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.